I know you all have this. Do you have a song that, or a, your, that's like your jam? I know I, that makes me sound old when I say that, but you know that song that comes on the radio and you immediately just have to, oh man, I gotta turn that up a little bit, right? Now, I don't know what that music artist is for you. Feel free to shout it out. Anybody? What? Who? Steppenwolf? Whoa. <laughs> yeah, okay. Some classic rock. All right, awesome. Now, there was a dad in Montreal, Canada in the year 2017. Um, his name was Tim. Let me make sure I can get it right. Tim Moala was driving in Montreal one day. And on the radio, one of his jams came on the 1990 hit, Gonna Make You Sweat, by CNC Music Factory. Right? We know this song. You know, that whole bit. He starts jamming out. He turns up the radio and starts to sing along. And soon, pretty soon, he sees police headlight uh, flash lights behind him. And he thought, oh, they just want to, you know, they, they're on their way somewhere. No, they were pulling him over. They got on the speaker and said, sir, pull over to the right. And he had to pull over. And he said four police officers got out on either side of his car and said, sir, were you being attacked? I heard someone screaming. He said, no, I was just singing along to CNC Music Factory. They gave him a $118 ticket for noise ordinance. Oh, Canada, indeed, right? Now, we've heard people at stoplights or gas stations with really loud, you know, sound systems. Some people, even when they talk on phone conversations, are so loud, you can hear the people talking right through their speakers. You know, we can jam out in our cars, we can go to clubs, we can go to theaters, we can go to uh, music events, to stadium stuff, and scream our lungs out, right? But when it comes to the worship of God, uh, it, and many times, we kind of, you feel this pressure to put a lid on it, Right? I don't want anybody to see me, you know. It's like this pearl clutching. Uh, I don't know if I want to, you know, isn't it a bit loud, you know. I don't want anybody to think I'm a religious fanatic, right. I don't want to step over that line. You know, I remember um, I helped start a contemporary service at my last church. And um, some of our musicians were enthusiastic. And one Sunday someone said, isn't it a little bit loud? It's a little bit loud, and I said, well, you want to be comfortable. You don't want to hurt anybody, but you want to make an impact, you know. You know, believe it or not, the pipe organ was quite a scandalous instrument a few hundred years ago. You see, God doesn't care about the medium of the, the worship. That's not what it's after. It's the heart behind it. As long as you have word and table and the Holy Spirit, you have worship. So the medium is largely irrelevant. It, it's, the mediums change. But for the glory of God, never changes. See, when Jesus, is when Jesus entered Jerusalem and his followers were praising him with words like Hosanna, they experienced a similar sort of resistance of, you know, quiet down. You know, just tone it down a little bit. You know, that, the Palm Sunday account, it appears in all four Gospels. Jesus sitting on a colt fulfilling Zechariah 9.9, a prophecy about the Messiah. He would come riding on a humble colt. Uh, he, he's either entering the city or he's nearing in, going into the city in all four accounts. They're saying the word Hosanna. 150, 150 years earlier, Judas Maccabeus led a revolt to try and overthrow the occupiers of Jerusalem. And the palm branch was a symbol of the resistance. They even stamped coins with it on it. 
So the, the palm branch is saying to Jesus, yes, you will come and set things right. You will come and, over, and overthrow the occupier yet again. Hosanna, Hosanna indeed. But what Luke records, Luke records things that Matthew, Mark, and John do not record. It doesn't mean that there's these discrepancies give it false, that they're wrong. It just shows different facets of the story. Luke records that before Jesus even gets to Jerusalem, he gets off, gets off of the donkey and gets on the ground and laments over Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the city that stones the prophets and kills God's people. How I've longed to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks into her arms, this intimate, almost maternal love of God. That how I've longed to bring you to myself and yet you've consistently rejected me. And so Jesus still enters the city knowing they will reject him in three days' time. Luke also includes other details the gospels, other gospels don't. All other gospels include, like Matthew has cloaks and branches being laid down. Mark cloaks and branches on the ground. John, branches only. Luke, cloaks only. I know you're probably really curious about these details, but it gets to this one sidebar conversation that only Luke writes down. And all this cacophony and noise going on as he comes into the city and all these hundreds of people making noise, the religious people, the killjoys, the buzzkills speak up in Luke 19.39. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, order your disciples to stop, right? Just get off my lawn. Just turn it down. Tone it down. And Jesus, of course, gets, gives the ultimate answer. If these were silent, the stones would shout out. Jesus is saying, you don't get it. All creation worships God. And if they didn't do it, it would be happening anyway. The stars pour forth speech. The heavens declare the glory of God. You can't stop and silence the worship of God. But why does the world want to silence you from praising God? Because in God's presence is everything that you're ultimately looking for. In his presence is fullness of joy. The enemy of our souls wants to keep us away, suppress the knowledge of God. In his presence, you find meaning, you find origin of the origin of your life. In God's presence, you find the meaning of your life and your destiny, all encapsulated in the presence of God, in the perfect and glorious presence. See, where God is, is outside of time. Like when I was a kid, and I'd, read the, the, I'd go to the back of the Bible, and I'd read Revelation, and it talks about worshiping the Lamb for all eternity, and I'd think, i got to go to a church service for all eternity? That sounds like kind of a drag. I have to wear a robe forever, but that's not what it's about. What if the presence of God is so at a level of bliss and peace and harmony that you don't, you, you, you don't want to leave? Like when David writes in the Psalms, better is one day in your courts, one day, than a thousand anywhere else. What is it about that one day that's so special? It's because in his presence is fullness of joy. There was a song I sang when I was a, a camp counselor, and it was called Ain't No Rock. You ever heard this song? Ain't no rock gonna sing in my place. As long as I'm alive, I'll glorify his holy name. 
I'm not going to sing it for you, so don't worry. But it's like, yeah, Jesus says the rocks are crying out. I'm not going to have a rock stand in my place. I'm going to glorify God. And it's instead of a rock, all of glory is giving, all of creation is giving glory to God. And God wants us to join in with that song. So when we worship in a church, that's all we're doing. We're joining with the song of the universe that gives glory to God. So when your worship meets resistance, like on this Palm Sunday, turn it down. Eh, don't take it too far. I think that's all the more reason to praise a little bit louder, not out of spite, but just that when the door gets slammed in your face, praise God in the hallway. You know what I'm saying? Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas were thrown in prison. Now, they weren't just thrown in prison. They were stripped naked, beaten with rods, whipped with, flogged, put on stocks, and then thrown in prison. Think about this. What would be your reaction to that happen to you? I would quickly devolve into self-pity. But that's not what happens to them. Let's read these words. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates had them stripped of their clothing and ordered them to be beaten with rods. And after they'd given them a severe flogging, they threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to keep them securely. Following these instructions, he put them in the innermost cell and fastened their feet in the stocks, so that, like they're in the middle of this place. After midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was an earthquake, so violent the foundations of the prison were shaken. All the doors were open, everyone's chains were unfastened. You know, here they are in the middle of the, one of the worst trials of their lives, and they're worshiping God. See, when, when, we, when we praise, we have responsibility. How we respond to worship, whether we'll do it or not. Now, I don't know about you, but if that was me on that Palm, uh, Paul, Paul and Silas, I would not be singing How Great Thou Art. I'd probably be singing Nobody Knows the Trouble I've Seen. <laughs> Take me now, or, O gentle Savior. <laughs> but in, maybe instead of focusing on what's so, what was so wrong about their situation, they focused on what was so right about God. If you focus on what's so wrong in your life, you will go into a spiritual slump. We all have things in our lives that aren't as they should be. But if you focus on the glory and the presence of God, we were reminded that the Christian faith is a singing faith. And worship isn't just singing, which some of us, that's a great relief. Like I know some people can't even tune a radio, let alone you know, sing, and that's fine. You know, it's, it's not about singing, it's about seeing worship. It's about focusing on what matters, on the, the truth and the essence of who God is. Worship is anything that brings glory to God. It's anything that brings glory to God. Monday to Sunday, anything that brings glory to God. So like when you're tempted to fudge the numbers at work and you don't, and you do the right thing when no one's watching, you're bringing glory to God, right? When you have a little kid in your house, one of your children, and they're, they're pushing all your buttons. I mean, they're stomping your buttons. They're just enjoying it. And you have to swallow hard and, and take a deep breath and respond with kindness and patience. That is bringing glory to God. When you make a hard choice to resist a temptation that seems to almost impossible to overcome, but you do it anyway, you're bringing glory to God. Why? Because you're obeying Christ who is within you. You're listening to his voice and you're obeying what you hear him saying. That is worship. The last church I was at, 
we finished a worship service one Sunday, and we closed with a song, and someone came up to me, and they said, man, that song was so good. I, don't, I didn't want to stop singing, right? And I thought, well, let's not. So we, we picked up the guitar, and we kept going for a little while. I think there's a, we should encourage that sort of enthusiasm with worship. If you see people that want to do that, we should don't quench the spirit, as Paul would say. Don't put a lid on it. Anytime you feel the spirit at work in that way, go with the flow. Because people born into this world, we're, we're born with what I call spiritual amnesia. We don't know what we don't know. Like, worship doesn't come second nature to us initially. It's something that has to, we have to grow into more and more. The more we know Jesus as he is, the more we want to get into that flow, into that place. As we come before the Lord's table, it reminds me in the Last Supper story uh, in Matthew, it says that after they had the Passover meal, uh, Jesus and the disciples, this is before Jesus goes into what we call Passion Week, before he steps out into that trial that he knew was coming, it says that they sang a hymn. Jesus and the disciples sang a hymn together that he went into the biggest trial that any human being would ever face with a song of praise on his lips. Think about that. The Son of God chose to worship the Father even when he knew what was to come because there is no heartache that heaven can't heal. There's no, nothing that the presence of God cannot satisfy. So I'm going to pray and Pastor Ken is going to come lead us in a time of communion, and we'll continue to worship together. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, that in your presence is fullness of joy. Holy Spirit, move in this time as we come before your table, and let us hear your voice and find healing in your hands.